0: Hi, this is Tokyo U.S. brand manager Ian Harvey. I'm talking with Cindy Palmer-Ledger. Sydney won both races at the 2021 NCAA's championships as a freshman in college. Sydney is on the U.S. Ski Team B Team and is the sixth ranked U.S. distance skier. She is also a five-time U.S. mountain bike national champion. Sydney is just 19 years old and skis for the University of Utah and Sun Valley Ski Education Foundation. It's a pleasure to be able to interview you. Thanks to the Incident Blaze for changing the rules. Thanks for being with me, Sydney.
1: Thanks, Ian, for having me on here.
0: Cool. So um, you grew up in Park City, Utah, just down the street from me. I've, I've seen you grow up basically, and um, it's been a lot of fun watching you go from where you were, which was a super talented junior, but to where you are now. You have a super sporty outdoor family, very supportive. Can you first talk about the family you were born into? and your family culture of outdoor sport and being active. And I'm hoping that you brag about, take the opportunity to brag about your family.
1: Yeah, so I grew up in Park City, Utah. Um, And yeah, my family's very athletic. We, my mom did mountain bike racing and road racing, um, as well as my dad. And then they moved to Utah um, and they got into cross country skiing. And so they decided to have us Mountain bike race and cross-country ski, and we started with Park City Nordic um, and Tuna. And they have just been following us around doing all these bunch of races. Like we go a bunch of camping trips. Um they love running with us and they hope to keep up <laughs> these days, but um they're super fit still, and they um will hopefully come over to Europe. To watch uh, me race this year um, they were in italy with my brother because he races enduro mountain biking um, so yeah
0: cool um how did you start ski racing
1: um i basically started skiing since i could walk um my older brother drew uh, also did cross country skiing and I kind of wanted to follow in his footsteps. And our parents took us out when we were younger and I had these plastic skis um, and we'd go on like the white pine golf course. Um, and it was just fun thing to do as a family. Um, and then when I was around 11, I did my first. Um, well, I raced up to U US, US 16. Um, and I made my first junior nationals. And then that was like my love for the sport um, and competing. Um, so then I decided I wanted to keep doing that. And I eventually transitioned to just skiing um, instead of biking as well.
0: So when you qualified for your first junior nationals, that was as a U16, how old were you?
1: Um, I was actually a second year U12 when I qualified for my first uh, U16. And I remember, remember,
0: (laughs) yeah, that's crazy young. And I remember how fast you were. So, I mean, there was no doubt you could be competitive. Uh, Does the, did junior nationals have rules against that now? I remember hearing something about that at some point.
1: I'm sure they do. I'm not really caught up on all that anymore. Um, But when I was racing, there was not, it was kind of off of like Intermountain and your division. So Intermountain didn't have, any rules against that. And my coaches were very supportive with me racing up. Um, And so they were like, if that works for you and you don't mind. So I raced, I actually made it to Stowe, but then I was pretty young, so I did not go to that one. Um, So then my first one was Truckee JNs. Um, And I actually podiumed my first Junior Nationals. So that was
0: pretty cool. As a 12 year old?
1: As a, yeah, I think 12. (laughs)
0: That's amazing. Yeah. So I want to come back to this topic a little bit later. Um, But first, I want to kind of go over your sort of timeline and how you developed and so on. But I want to talk with you a little bit later about being such a successful early bloomer and then continuing to be successful. Because I think we've seen it now and then, but um, I have a different perspective on that. I should say experience. And so I'd love to kind of compare notes.
1: Okay, perfect.
0: Um, so Gordon Lang was your coach when you were in the Park City Nordic ski team he's a passionate western cowboy outdoorsman kind of guy who was also the U.S. ski team coach for years head coach tell me about how it was to be coached by Gordon and about your extremely successful years with the Park City ski team
1: yeah I love Gordon Lang um even though he's retired now and he's no longer my coach um he'll always be a big part of my skiing career um so like I think my first JNs that I made, I transitioned from, uh, well, Tuna to Gordon, Um, and Gordon was super supportive and would let me train with the older girls, even though they were a couple of years older, Um, and Gordo, like, a lot of people think he has, like, a tough exterior, and he's kind of scary to get be around, but um, once you kind of get to know him, he's just so supportive of like every athlete and i've had so many good talks with gordon and there's this amazing photo that i have from my one of my first jns uh in lake placid of like right after i did really well and i won and he's just giving me this big hug and he's kind of like a big teddy bear (laughs) um and so it's sad to not have him watching all the races, but I know that they're there in support and watching the results. And I'll always have them if I need them. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's, that's, I think something to me anyway, that's a special thing. If I had a a childhood coach who continued to follow my career and support me and, you know, you just know that they're rooting for you. That's something really special, I think.
1: Yeah, it's really special. And We had Leah Lang, too, on the team when I was younger. And so having her and Gordon and then we had Ruff um, my last couple of years that I was there before I went to Sun Valley, it was just such a good team. Um, And I just became a better skier with those two as my coach. Yeah,
0: and um, I know you're very talented. There's no question about that, but we're talking about Two, your longtime coaches being ex U.S. Ski Team coaches for many, many years—they're very experienced, very knowledgeable, super capable. So that's a fortunate position to be in. And then going from there, moving to Sun Valley and being coached by Rick Capala—you've you've really done well in the coaching department. <laughs>
1: yes, <laughs> going from Gordon, who has a lot of like a lot of time in skiing community, and then going to Rick, who's just like. Just there with Gordon, um, they have a lot of experience, um, and Sun Valley has such an amazing support staff. They have so many different coaches that have different backgrounds, which is amazing.
0: So you moved to Sun Valley while you were still in high school and started skiing for Sun Valley Ski Education Foundation, and being coached by Rick Capal, as well as some of the other excellent coaches they have there. What prompted this move?
1: Um, I guess I was starting to wanting to race more internationally and I kind of wanted a different change from uh, Park City and I loved Gordo um, but the team was starting to get smaller and more like younger so I needed some athletes that were older and wanting to race more competitive Um, and so I thought it was just a good change and SVSEF has one of the better community like teams in the country for juniors. And so it's wasn't too far from home. It's only a five hour drive from Park City. So I thought it would be a good, <laughs> good change.
0: It seemed like with the Park City team, there was a class that was uh, one to three years, depending in front of you, that had really talented skiers, tons of national, junior national champions and whatnot. But behind you, that wasn't so much. And when you moved to Sun Valley remember, I mean, sometimes your program would take I don't know, five of the top six places in an event. I mean, you guys are really powerhouse. And you also had some good U-20s to ski with, which, you know, you were giving them all the competition they could handle.
1: Yeah. It, it, in junior nationals, we had a bunch of SBSCF athletes. Um, and I think also just having a sports staff that could, like, support me going over to Europe if I needed to, or racing junior nationals, or going to Craftsbury to race senior nationals. Um, just having multiple people that could help me um, instead of just like one coach that has so many athletes. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. So you've been coached by Rick, I think now for about five years, is that ballpark?
1: Um, I think like three. I was in sun valley for three and then i've spent a bunch of summers there
0: okay um rick is a legendary coach who balances learning working hard and making progress very well with keeping things light and having fun can you please say a word a few words about how it is to be coached by rick
1: yeah i love rick kapala um there's sometimes i still call him or hope to go to sun valley just so i can see him um he definitely is really focused and has a great eye for training and skiing and waxing, um, but then can also have fun and joke around. Um, I think the first couple weeks he had to like figure out who I was before he made jokes about like my life and everything. Um, But it just made the team so much better. Um, He's like kind of a big, big kid or kid at heart. Um, So definitely he can be focused and serious, but also make the team exciting and just van rides fun, having like using um, the radios as like walkie talkies and doing a bunch of like different races um, and trying to win wolf shirts, just making skiing enjoyable while you're still at a young age. So then when you go into race internationally, you love skiing. Um, And you aren't burnt out.
0: So something about Rick that um, I'm still trying to figure out. He, he keeps things very light. He's kind of, I don't know, the Zen master, like the psychologist, you know, he keeps everything light while at the same time, everyone's super motivated because you've got an extremely competitive team environment and a bunch of athletes with high goals. So focusing on keeping things light, obviously makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, Every single skier at Sun Valley is, is really good in terms of tactics, preparation, especially technique. They're well-prepared and well-coached in every single aspect. And as much as I know that Rick is capable in every way, I don't see him doing a lot of technical coaching. And I've asked him about it, and he's like, well, the athletes watch all the races themselves. They watch all the World Cup races. They They really dissect them, and then they get together and talk about it. Can you talk about – how that happens there because I'm amazed at how he's able to instill such a competitive environment with everyone trying so hard and working the details while at the same time being the fun master.
1: I think he puts on a fun uh, like exterior that's what people see Um, but behind the camera we like worked on a lot of technique and a lot of just small details and I used to not be the best uh starter um like just that initial like get out of the gun and we worked so much on on that just like constantly every practice just like okay we're gonna work on starts like you gotta work on it um and classic i used to not be the best classic skier um and i think we spent a whole year just working on technique with classic skiing looking over videos after practice or before um after school and just like all the small little details that i could get some power out of um yeah working with ashley and with rick and all the other coaches and paul and chris just to the all the small fine details because technique is such an important part of skiing like racing is one thing but you have to work on your technique to be fast and work on speed so like that is the first thing to to be a fast skier is your technique
0: sure absolutely so that's classic Rick. Then, um, he basically works real hard on it, and then gives everyone else the credit for it.
1: Okay. <laughs> Probably, cool. yeah. Okay. Rick, a really hard worker. I don't think there's been any time where I've called him and he hasn't picked up and been there for me. I, when I was not racing as well at World Juniors and having some mental uh, barriers. I would call him up and it'd be kind of late at night and he'd still talk me through just my races and hopefully like bring me up and be like, okay, you've got other races to worry about. Like, this is just one small thing. Like, it's not that important. You're gonna race fast. And like, that's just life is like having really bad races. And then you have really good races which is also what happened last year. So yeah.
0: Cool. In 2020, you went to the Youth Olympic Games in Lausanne, Switzerland, and finished fourth in two different events. How was that event for you, and how did it compare to World Juniors?
1: That was a very unique event. Um, I loved going over to Youth Olympics. Racing with all these um, really fast juniors um, is definitely an experience not compared to World Juniors because usually with world juniors, you have a lot of older athletes, but all these athletes coming around the world were the same age. Um, So it was really fun just to see how I do. And then we stayed um, in this big uh, like dorms. Um, And so there was athletes that were all sport uh, from around the world. And then we would also eat in the dining room and it was just a fun place to be, but also competing was amazing. We didn't have like the best snow while we were over there, but it was really fun to try different racing. Um, we had like a distance race, but we also had a uh, skier cross, which was really fun doing all the jumps and the little like uh, bicycle. I don't know how you call it. That was really fun to do.
0: Sure, cool. Um, that same winter, you also went to World Juniors, as I mentioned and you all your team and yourself were able to win the silver, silver medal in the relay. Can you tell us about that incredible day?
1: Yeah, that was a really incredible day. Sorry if you hear some vacuuming. There some <laughs> my uh, roommates downstairs. Um I did not have the best a week of racing uh, myself. So, having the relay at the end of the the week was kind of just a try to do better like do well for the team um so I was the one scrambling and so I went out and I didn't have any expectations how we were going to do I was just going to push hard for the team and like try not to worry about anything else going on and it was really fun to stay in a pack um and then the last hill um we like took off and it was just super fun to watch and it was kind of crazy with all of other athletes going the wrong way, and we didn't know exactly where we were. And then we found out when we were in second. It was I was overwhelmed and just like waiting for Novi to come into the finish, and we were all like hugging. And I still remember the day. Um, I think I will always remember it. And hopefully, one of these years we'll be able to be in a relay t- team again. Hopefully, world Ju- or World Cup, not World Juniors. Um, and have that same exp- same experience.
0: Yeah, so that was a <clears throat> it was a little funny. It was a different course. Part of the course was the same, and part of it was different for skating classic. Yeah, I believe it was the German team that hit, hit did the wrong course, and then one of their teams followed the German team, and so they ended up taking a shortcut. And then and then later on, people figured it out and said, okay, that that so it was a weird thing. But I think you guys probably would end up second anyway.
1: Yeah, we would have ended up second or third. It was really sad to see the German team come in. And then they were told that they actually weren't um, or they took the wrong course. So they were disqualified. It was really heartbreaking for them. Um, and then it was the Polish and the German team. So it was really sad seeing that. Um, but it was also like we were so excited to be getting a silver medal silver medal because we were so close the year before to podium um so having a podium at world juniors as well as a relay so i get to experience it with a bunch of people on our team um and talk to people from norway and all about that it was very cool
0: so this last winter you had a tough experience uh really hard experience at the world juniors you were a solid candidate for an individual medal i think And the U.S. relay team also won the silver the year before in the relay. So you were also very strong candidates to even win another relay medal, to win the relay even. However, you were not able to compete despite being very well prepared. Can you please tell us about this frustrating and sad experience?
1: Yeah, so we were heading to Finland. um, And so we had to take a bus ride from the airport to where we were staying. And we had... Two face masks, or two masks and a face shield on. Um, hold on, <laughs> I'm just gonna see if you'll chill on the vacuum real quick. All right. Do you think you could, like, wait a second, I'm gonna hear you right now? Oh, okay, how long? Um, uh, maybe 30
0: minutes?
1: Okay.
0: Thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Sydney
1: sorry about that okay. um, yeah so we were in Finland and we had to take a bus ride um and so one of the girls the first day we were there tested positive as long uh with a coach as well and so we were kind of close we like were sitting beside her and behind her and so they said we were close contact even though we were pretty far apart so it wouldn't, we wouldn't have gotten anything. Um, And so, because we were close contact, they said we had a quarantine in our apartment for 14 days. Mm. And um, we were tested uh, every day for 10 days straight um, until they decided that we were no longer at risk (laughs) of getting COVID. Um, And it was a really hard testing where it was basically like into your brain where you'd, or it felt like it, where you just cry after and you just dread going to testing every morning because it hurts so bad. Um, and at first, um, Novi and I were separated. Um, but then because we were had the same exposure, I, we asked if we could go together just because 14 days is a long time to be alone in a hotel room, not seeing anybody. In and trying through- to do In Finland, in the cold, Um, and then these races are, like, the biggest of the season. Like, we were supposed to do pretty well, and, like, it was our shot to get a podium that year, and we'd been training all season, doing well, preparing for this week, Um, so it was really hard. (laughs) Um, There was a lot of, like, emotional times where Brian and Pete would come to our door, and, I remember the first time hearing about it that we were in quarantine. I was trying to hold it together and I was like, yeah, but they knew like, this was like our biggest race. And it was so t- t- tough and a couple days after we found out it was actually my birthday. And I remember waking up and crying just because like, I, I thought I was dreaming like that this had happened to us. And I was like, no. <laughs> so it was definitely hard to like, go ski and watching people go race. And I was like, oh, that was supposed to be my day where I was like gonna hopefully do really well, like classic distance, like that was my race I was looking forward to for the past like two years. And then that was taken away. So it was definitely tough, but we learned that it was just one race. Um, And then it was good sea level training and we, trained pretty well in Finland um, and then come back and get ready for NCAAs and college racing. Um, I didn't have some good races after I got back, but I think I was just a little tired after traveling from Europe and then got ready and did pretty well at NCAAs as I (laughs) could imagine, um, which I is still a shock to the day to be a two-time NCAA champion as a freshman. Yeah.
0: So when you were in Finland during world juniors quarantine and you were able to ski on the, on the race days, did, did you happen to, did they happen to coincide with interval days for you or what what did you do on race days?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, there was a lot of people that wanted to watch the races for me. I did not, (laughs) I think that was harder to watch the races. Um, so we did a bunch of race simulations or sprint simulations before the races or the day before, um, or we do like really hard intervals. And there are some days that we were going pretty fast. I think just the stress of the week and kind of waiting to see if the Finnish government would let us out because our last day, the 14th day was the day of one of the races. Um, and so we were really hoping they would let us out for that day. Um, which they did not, but so, yeah, I was kind of just, we were all frustrated, but we took it out on skiing yeah. <laughs> and we had r- really good days. Cause Kate, uh, Barton was also had to be in quarantine because of the other coach that was tested positive. Mm. And so we were able to, Novi and I were able to ski together and Kate had like, was kind of skiing with us as well with a mask. Because um, she was being tested and testing negative, we have a stack of papers. I have pictures of all my negative papers. Um, so we got, still got to train, still got to ski, um, but didn't get to be able to compete.
0: So you got back, did some races that didn't go so well as you were kind of um, getting over the travel and such. Went to the a's, went to NCAA's, and you smashed it and you won both races as a freshman, which is ridiculous um you want to talk about that and how exciting it was for you
1: yeah I honestly didn't know how I was going to do in Jackson New Hampshire I was just excited to race honestly coming back from world juniors where that was super tough um and then just being with the Utah team and being able to celebrate going to NCAAs um it was just fun to be there and I really wanted to try to get a podium um so uh, the first race I it was like not as shocking because it was my strength which is a classic classic distance um and then I just had a good mindset and I went out the second day and I was like I got it I just have to push really hard this is basically the last one of the last races of the season and I got splits from miles saying I was leading and it's It was kind of unreal. I had this like flow state um, going out on the course and hearing everyone cheer and then coming into the stadium with all the Alpiners on the side and like all the coaches and yeah. And then after all the races were done, then we found out like that we won overall as you with like Utah team too. That was pretty crazy because usually cross country skiing is very individual but winning this big title as a team as well and getting this massive trophy was cool to celebrate um, as a whole team and walking through the airport with this trophy and people asking questions. So yeah, it's pretty cool.
0: So some of the other top athletes that are more or less your generation, a couple little older like JC, And Ben, for example, maybe a couple others, they've been really successful, really young, so successful, they haven't really been able to race at NCAAs because they're in Europe or some, you know, World Juniors, World Cups, World Championships. I think you're very, it's really, it must feel really good to be able to pay Miles and Frederick and the University of Utah back for what they've done for you, because who knows where you're going to be these next bunch of winters, It must feel really good because when I did the interviews with JC and Ben, both of them expressed very strong interest in, in in being able to come back first qualify for NCAAs because they're going to be gone and then actually represent their college NCAAs and try to, try to pay them back. So that must feel really good that you've been able to do that already.
1: Yeah. And I think as a freshman as well, it's kind of showing like, Oh, we, we are such a strong team. Um, So like this year it's like, even though if I do end up going to NCAAs or not, or if I race World Cups or Olympics or wherever the path takes me, we have such an amazing team that I don't need to worry about, like, letting the team down because um, we have so many strong athletes at Utah. So it's pretty cool to, like, have that option if I want to race collegiate and go to NCAAs that I can and race for Utah Um but they are also super supportive, and if I want to go race World Cups instead, and then come back and race college races, they're there for me every step of the way because they just want us as fast skiers in the future, and whatever like works for us, um, works for them as well.
0: So you're a sophomore at the U, and uh, Miles Havlik is the Nordic coach, and Frederick Lundsted is the is he the head Nordic coach or the director of skiing? Are,
1: Whatever. Direct
0: skiing, yeah, um, great old friend of mine, and from what I've seen, this is an incredibly professional coaching tandem. They work really well together, and you know I've go to a bunch of events and I kind of look at the coaches oftentimes, and and not only in the winter but in the in, in the off season, at NCAA's last winter, the Ute women, Ute is the University of Utah women, took five out of the top out of the six podium spots in the two events. So top three, if you look at the top three over the two events, you have six podium spots. The Ute women took five of them. Obviously, this is a powerhouse team. Tell me about skiing for the Utes, the coaching and the team atmosphere. And why is this team so very successful?
1: Yeah. So when I was first deciding on where to go for college, I at first didn't want to come to Utah because it was my hometown. Um, and I kind of wanted to go, go somewhere new. Um, and then I talked to Miles and Frederick and just hearing about the team and the support staff and having PTs and campus super close and the ski house and everything we could get. Um, I just couldn't, could not go to Utah, it was amazing. And Miles and Frederick are such good coaches. They are so dedicated. They spend so, so much of their free time just working on waxes, working on the training plan, talking to our strength coach. Um, they don't have any time off any days off. It seems like, um, our strength coach, Henry and miles talk every Monday about athletes and trying to make a specific plan for each athlete, um, and like what they need. So like this week, it's like a little different for people that are going to world cup. Um, and it's probably difficult to like, come up with different plans for each person and, People are going to West Yellowstone, or people are going to World Cup who are racing distance and sprints. It's different, and then people who need different plans for strength—if they need more explosive program, or if they need more of a just strength overall building. Um, And last year, Frederick and Miles spent so much time with uh, the floral band trying to find like waxes at work, and they spent countless hours testing different structures and wax to make sure that we had good skis for racing. And there was only one race where we had mediocre skis, but the rest of the year I was blown away with how talented they were with finding perfect wax to race on.
0: Um, Shifting gears here. I think I haven't talked too much about Utah or the Intermountain West in many of the interviews I've done. And I'm hoping that you've um, kind of loved this region. <laughs> Despite your young age of just 19, you have been all over the place competing internationally in Finland, Switzerland, and Germany, and each of those a few different times, as well as traveling overall all the United States. You have lived in either Utah or Idaho your whole life, I believe. You have um, clearly that the Intermountain West is a beautiful region that offers incredible recreational opportunities. What are your thoughts on that? In the spring or fall, have you taken advantage of shooting down to Southern Utah and and warming up and playing in the desert? Um, There's another thing that's really awesome about the Intermountain West is in the spring, you can ski and then it's warm enough even to go for a road bike in the same day. It's, It's really awesome. Can you talk about that, please?
1: Yeah, especially in Salt Lake or in Utah in general, we'd be skiing early May or yeah April and March. And then because Salt Lake is a little bit warmer than Park City, we'd be running in, on Dry Creek and it's warm, shorts and a t-shirt. And then in the afternoon, you'd be skiing up at Solitude or Snowbird or wherever you're going. Um, so it's pretty cool. And then five hours away, you're at the desert. So you're in Moab and we took a bunch of, trips when I was younger, Um, mountain bike trips for a couple days where you just mountain bike for like three to four hours in the morning, then go out again. Um, So it was super fun to have that when I was younger. And then this last year, the spring, we took a trip as a team um, and we ran and bike. So it's kind of fun having that option where you can drive five hours to the snow and go to Sun Valley and have one of the best skiing in the country or i think so i love skiing in sun valley um or in the opposite direction and go to moab or saint george and get to the warm weather so it's pretty cool when people say west is best i definitely uh, follow follow with that <laughs>
0: come on with there so there's something i've done which was really fun you know it wasn't it was just fun adventure i went down uh, a few times down Capitol reef and. April and uh, early May. And there's a town called Torrey, which is next to Capitol Reef. And right out of there, there's a pass that goes up over Route 12, and it goes up to around 11,000 feet. And the top of that pass, there's a bunch of snow, even that time of year. And of course, it's freezing thaw cycles. So I bring my Nordic skis and I whip up there in the early morning and go cross skiing. And then in the afternoon, you know, I'll go back down, rest a bit. In the afternoon, I'm out and then hiking around in the Capital Reef in the desert. In like 95 degrees. And it's so spectacular to be able to do that to feel the hot sun as well as, you know, hard crust and good crusting conditions. It's just amazing.
1: It is amazing. And like a couple of weeks ago, we had that in Salt Lake too, where we went and skied up at Alta just on the access road because it snowed and people were backcountry skiing. Um, and so there was like a little path. So we classic skied up. Um, and then In the morning, we went for a run and it was hot and like the trails were dry, kind of dusty almost. So it's fun having that you like drive 30 minutes from dry or bone dry trails and then snow where it's like snowing a foot overnight.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Okay, let's get back to what we started talking about a little bit. And that is back in the day, in my day, I was a late bloomer. I was undersized. I was less mature physically and in every other way than my competitors until I was around 18. The other kind of maturity came later, but physical maturity, I I started to catch up when I was around 18. At the time, I wasn't so convinced, but looking back at it, I was sure that this late physical development was really good for me as I learned to work on every detail of my game and fight for every second. Then when I finally grew and got stronger, I shot to the top. It has been my experience that many of the Juniors who were very successful at a young age had a burden of trying to meet expectation after, after having had success, as well as increased competition when others like myself caught up to them physically. In my day, most of all of the juniors who were really fast early on as juniors were not so fast as seniors, and they eventually either quit or kind of you know, faded away. You have been extremely successful throughout your career. What have been your keys to staying on top despite others trying to catch up physically? And and what are your thoughts on the advantages or disadvantages of being an early or a late bloomer?
1: Yeah, I definitely heard that when I was younger with uh, kids doing well as a U16 and then they slowly decline because they had such a high peak when they were younger Um, and then they aren't as motivated. So then they slowly lose love for the sport and they quit or just don't do well. Um, I think for me, I've had such high expectations for myself and I'm always motivated to try to work harder and do more, which sometimes is not the best because then I overtrain or do too much. Um, So I think just, I have loved this sport since I was little and sticking with it and having so many different teams with Park City and keeping it fun, but also I love going and pushing myself um doing intervals where it like hurts and you kind of hate being there but then afterwards you like feel that like you're proud of yourself for doing that and getting out in the early in the morning when it's cold um or those races where like you have that flow state and everything just feels like it's put together after your training and the couple week the two weeks that I take off from skiing in the spring, I'm just so excited to get back on the roller skis or go run or go ski. And that feeling of wanting to go back is why I keep going. And I think just if you stick with it and if you have these goals and you keep it fun, but also like work hard um and you listen to your body and you listen to your coaches, then hopefully things work out. Sometimes they don't and people quit just because they are burnt out from the sport. But um, I've stuck with skiing for so long and working towards future goals of Olympics and World Cups and World Juniors and NCAAs. Um, And I also have like an amazing team that pushes me and makes distance skis and intervals really exciting like yesterday we were doing some 10 by one minute or 10 by one minute uh classic uh double pull speeds and we had a moose that was like coming down the trail and it just made things enjoyable and we had like all the boys behind us um and they're like come on say let's go um so just having a team that pushes you and but also makes it fun and being in this sport, we have to not have a, as much of a social life, or I don't have as much of a social life as most college students. But um, I honestly don't mind because I have so many bigger goals that I'm working towards. So having a, such a good, close team, that's kind of like our social group. So, yeah. That's cool.
0: Um, out of curiosity, the workout you are talking about, you were on a trail. Were you double pulling up on Alta or something? Or
1: where were you at? Um, we, no, we were roller skiing. So oh. we were up by like East Canyon. So top of immigration, like okay. up and over. Because so. you were talking
0: about the trail. So I was thinking, huh? Oh, so was yeah. It was next <laughs> to the road.
1: Yeah, it was like next to the road. It was like kind of on the trail. And then it ran on the road. And uh, it was like coming towards me. And the boys were behind me. And they were like, you got to yell at it. So I was trying to yell. But it was just like. Oh was not moving
0: <laughs> yeah, That makes sense. <laughs> I, I, was, I would not do ten by one minute double pull intervals at ten thousand feet, you know if I unless I had to. So I was thinking, man, this' is some kind of University of Utah you know a magic training plan here, you know <laughs> okay, so that makes sense that 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 makes more sense it's trying yeah. to figure it out
1: so some I,
0: rollers. <laughs> yeah, so um have you ever I know you you know you're a fantastic mountain biker and skier. Have you ever done a sport that you're not so good at?
1: Um, There's a lot of sports I'm not good at. Um, I used to not be a good runner. Um, And then I slowly just had been training and doing more of that. And then any ball sport, I do not have hand-eye coordination. (laughs) So I stuck to mostly endurance sports. Um, It's probably because I have been mountain biking and Nordic skiing since I was little that I've only had that. And a lot of people are shocked when I tell them that. But I, I love to mountain bike and Nordic ski, and it kind of intertwined uh, when I was younger, racing mountain bikes in the summer and then transitioning over to skiing. But now it's a little harder to do both when you have to roller ski in the summer and run, to try to mountain bike and do like five hour days. <laughs> a little hard yeah. to I do both. <laughs>
0: So one reason why I wanted to ask you that is I had an experience where uh, I was a road racer when I was a junior, as well as I did a bunch of skiing, of course, world juniors and all that stuff. And I was really good at road racing on the bike, but I never mountain biked before. And I moved out west and did what I was doing for whatever for years. And then I decided, hey, I want to do something different. So I started mountain bike racing. And I was in a really cool situation where I had no pressure because I totally sucked technically, but I was really, really fit. And Strong, so on the fire road climbs, I'd be one of the couple fastest people in the Intermountain West. But because you have to come down, and the downhills are generally technical single track, I'd lose minutes and minutes on every one of these longer downhills. And so I didn't worry about it and didn't put pressure myself. And 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 then I got better and better and better, and you know eventually did quite well. But it was really cool to go from that to skiing, and then to see how all of a sudden I was technically better than everyone else and I'm not, I'm gifted and talented in skiing and it it was really rewarding and it made me fall in love with skiing even more and I was curious if you ever had that experience being so talented in mountain biking and running uh skiing did you ever have that experience with any other sports that you were not so good at you returned to skiing guess, and you're like oh yeah
1: yeah I guess I didn't really try any other sports um when I was really young I tried gymnastics And then I kind of just wanted to switch over to skiing right away. Mm. Um, And then whenever we play like volleyball or soccer, (laughs) I'm not very coordinated. I'm just kind of like, can we go for a run? Or like, can we go for a ski? Like it's fun, but I'd rather be out in the mountains or out on the ski trails. Um, It definitely is like, this is why I'm a skier. (laughs) Or this is why I was a mountain biker. Like it was kind of. Long races where you're out for an hour or sprinting um, is definitely my strong suit. Cool.
0: So shifting gears again, this is a question that has to do with the development pipeline. So I talked with, for example, Ben and JC recently. They've both of them have hardly done a single super tour race in their lives. They've barely touched senior nationals yet. Uh Ben was 17th at senior world championship last year. You know, we're talking top athletes who are going to be in Europe all winter. And you're in the same boat as far as I'm concerned. You've never done a senior race in your life because you're a first-year senior now, right? You've you've raced as a junior in the senior category when juniors and seniors went the same distance, like a sprint prologue or a 5K or something. But I mean, you're a first-year senior, yet you're as a freshman NCAA champion and and you've got some other remarkably strong results. You're ranked sixth in the United States in distance. And um, I think, you know, everyone's looking at you. And and so my question is kind of, do you feel like, does it feel weird to you not doing Super tour? I think you've done one weekend of Super Tours total. as a is yeah. You know, does it feel weird? Do you feel like you've bypassed the the development pipeline somehow, but at the same time, you're in the core of it, you know, do you know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. I'm actually not a senior yet. I still have one more year as a junior. Oh, man. A a February birthday. And so I'm right on that cuff of being a senior, but I'm still, I still have one more year. Um, So yeah, I only had one, no, I actually two years of racing super tour or like senior nationals in that kind of pipeline. Um, and those races are so much fun. So it's kind of sad if I did stay over and race world cups, missing those races. Um, but yeah, it's kind of shifting to these bigger races and that's kind of like the next step. So it's crazy to like, kind of have like a very quick, uh, career in super tour, that kind of racing. Um, but that's just the the next step is racing world cups so it's kind of just a early <laughs> step towards that
0: you've got some other things some other possible really exciting opportunities this winter but i imagine you're pretty excited to get back to world juniors too
1: i am yeah and they're in norway too yeah i've never been in norway mm-hmm. so i think as a junior and still racing world juniors hopefully this will be the year if i'm not quarantine this year um, that I can raise pretty well. Um, and then, yeah, heading over to my first World Cup starts in period one is gonna be an amazing experience going to Ruka and Lilhammer and Davos um, and being with the US key team and kinda having, being a team, cause we didn't really have that last year. And we kind of got Park City Camp and Bend but that was just kind of a little um, like experience being on the team because mm-hmm. I didn't have that last year, sure. so I'm excited.
0: Outside of anything we've already talked about, do you have a favorite race experience you'd like to share?
1: Um, I think NCAA's was pretty cool, but also two years ago racing super tours and senior national, uh, yeah, super tours in Canmore. Um, and then Sun Valley Um, I raced I used not be super confident in my classic sprinting and then because Rick and I spent a whole year working on my classic um, I had like a really good qualifier and it was really cool to like race with all these older girls like Erica Flowers and all of them and I accidentally tripped myself up on one of the hills and I got up And I uh, went super hard up the hill, and I still qualified and made it to the finals. And it's just kind of cool to be like, even if you crash, even in a sprint, you can get up and still do really well.
0: Just to be um, clear, not everyone can do that. You can do
1: it. (laughs) I mean, I can do that all the time, (laughs) but yeah, it's just cool, like, you don't give up because you have a bad race you could feel really bad you could trip yourself you could break a pole like but if you get up and you still try hard and push to the end like it still could turn out really well for you I actually had that last year as well where I fell um, on a 15k and I had to work really hard to go up promotes and I ended up winning that race um, even though the lead pack the lead two girls dropped me and I had to like sprint back up to the front um so it's kind of like don't give up even if something really bad happens like you can still get up and win the race or yeah
0: I remember watching that was the Sun Valley Super Tour that you tripped in the classic sprint and that was really impressive how you did that and you did it when you came down to the finish line, you were easily qualified. Right? Yeah, yes. <laughs> pretty cool. that was a real statement. So, um, where does your strength come from? And I'm not talking about. I mean, I'm sure physical strength is also connected to determination. But you are one of the strongest young skiers I've ever seen. That's ever been, as far as I'm concerned. And you continue to get even stronger, despite being more of a distance skier than a sprinter. How is it that you are so strong. Do you have any advice for aspiring racers to develop their strength?
1: I, I guess I just like work pretty hard, um, and having high expectations and pretty big goals for myself and working on the small things, um, and focusing on technique, um, and trying not to let other exterior issues and problems that or don't matter, (laughs) like get into my head, which definitely do. Um, But I work hard out on the ski trails or roller skiing or running, um, but also in the strength room. And I try to ask all my coaches for help. And even if it seems annoying and constantly asking questions, it's kind of like in the long run, it's going to be better. And they like that when you ask a lot of questions and making sure that all the fine movements like matter um and yeah if that's kind of what you're asking yeah absolutely Hmm. yeah
0: so there was a trend that started two spring at least from my perspective it started two springs ago um after uh, the covid winter you know where uh, stuff was canceled big time especially the norwegians made it somewhat popular because of social media doing these massive long skis and i know you did one as well at least one i think you did a few can you talk about that
1: mm-hmm. yeah it was kind of spring um all the races were done uh we were kind of cut short didn't have super tour finals um and i was in sun valley and all the boys were doing these 100k skis and i was kind of like oh we can girls can do it too so there was one morning That I really wanted to and some of uh, Sun Valley teammates wanted to join. So we decided to go on Galena, uh, like the Harriman Trail and get 100K in. Um, And it took us, I think, six hours or maybe a little less. I can't remember. Um, And it wasn't too bad. We tried to like fuel as much as possible. Um, And it was a pretty sunny day. Um, The West has a lot of those. Um, And it was cold. So it was not too, too difficult, but it was so, just a fun thing to do. Get out, go out for a hundred K.
0: So you, you had just turned 18 for the most part. Is it, you were like 18 in, a, in two months?
1: Yeah, I think so. 17, 18. Sometimes I think that was two years ago. Cause I'm 19 right now. So,
0: yeah. And then, so this spring you'll be 20 minus two years. So you would have just turned 18. Some people would say man juniors have natural speed you know um and i've seen over the years people can ruin their speed by doing too too much of like slow long slow distance and not kind of maintaining or cultivating that natural ability that juniors oftentimes have did any are you the least worried about that kind of a thing i'm not i'm not saying you should be i just thought i'd bring it up because it seems to be a a topic that perhaps isn't a topic anymore but it used to be a topic
1: yeah, I guess I definitely worry about that. Um, but that's why we do really hard, short, fast workouts. Yeah, But definitely more worry about overtraining and um, underfueling, fueling, um, pushing my body because we know how to push through pain. And it's kind of trying to listen to your body and be like, am I work too hard? Um, do I need to take some time off? Like, am I just tired because I didn't get enough sleep or with school? Or is it because I've been working too much. Um, and that can definitely affect your sprinting. Um, if you're like going too hard on your L one days, then you're tired for your intervals and then you're not able to push as hard or you're pushing too many L three days. Sometimes that can affect your speed workouts, or if you're not doing enough speed workouts and you're just focusing on the longer L three, um, it's kind of like this fine balance of trying to figure out what works for you. And if it's doing more L3, that helps or doing just sprinting. um, And more people need a slower L1, or they need to train 500 hours and to be fast, or some people need closer to 1000. But it's kind of like listening to your body, looking at heart rate, um, listening if you need more food, um, which is definitely hard with like body image going around, uh, with skiing, that's definitely hard. Um, but just listening to what you need and talking to coaches and seeing what they think as well, but you, it deep down, you know, like what's best for you and you need to listen to that and not worry about what other people are doing.
0: Feedback's a wonderful thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're,
1: that's it, a, it's it's a hard question. to listen. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. So do you backcountry ski?
1: I, I don't really. Um, there's not a lot of time. I would love to backcountry ski more. Um, but usually when I get done with skiing, I kind of want to go to the desert and get on my bike. Or if there's still snow, I'm going to continue to Nordic ski. Um, our team loves to backcountry ski, but I honestly want to get on my bike if the snow is not that great. Hmm. or go camping or go for a run (laughs) yeah there
0: are a lot of athletes that use backcountry skiing as kind of a pseudo like an alternative over distance
1: Mm -hmm. workout
0: quite a lot of skiers do that and some of them with great success but um I was just curious where you were on that spectrum
1: I think it's really fun and I would love to do it more um I just need to get into it Hmm. um but usually I'm pretty, or last last year I was pretty burnt out with skiing once the season was done. Mm. Um, so I took some time off and then we still had skiing up at solitude. So I continued to Nordic ski um, and run. And then we went to Moab and did some biking. Um, so I was just kind of ready to switch over to more roller skiing and biking and doing some more fun things. Um, yeah.
0: We were skiing up at Bonanza Flats until, I think it was mid-May or something too, huh? Did you? Yeah. you remember I remember seeing you up there a yeah. few times in the spring.
1: We did some crust skiing. Um, got pretty burnt.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: uh, was there in solitude. Um, I was actually ski. We did a team trip, a girls' trip to Hawaii. And we skied like a week before we left and then came back. And then we're training and then we went to Bend. So it was a pretty pretty cool thing to do to go from skiing to the beach back to skiing
0: absolutely good for the brain too huh? yeah.
1: a little mental break
0: yeah so here are a couple of not i mean okay so i know you're only you're 19 years old which is young for um, mm-hmm. but so of course you're still gaining experience because you're 19 and hopefully when you're 35 you're still gaining experience too you know But outside of this, what are your strengths and weaknesses, if any, as a ski racer?
1: Um, I guess just being like tough and not giving up. Um, We have to push through, like I said before, pushing through a lot of pain uh, and workouts and waking up early, training and then trying to balance school and being an athlete. So we have this small little time to get everything in. Like we train in the morning, come back, eat food, shower. And then I go straight to school, um, do anatomy for a couple hours and then we train again. Um, so it's trying to find like the time and pushing through those tough days, um, to be a student athlete when you're tired, but you're like, I have to get school done. I have to get training in, gotta get enough sleep. Um, so time management. I have pretty good time management, I think. Um, yeah. What's
0: your home course? You you grew up in Park City. Uh, you've been in Sun Valley. Now you're back in um, Salt Lake. What do you consider to be your your course?
1: Price Soldier Hollow. Cool. Nice. Definitely home course. Okay. I, there's a picture of me racing. Uh, I think Super Tour um, when I was younger. One of those races. Um, or like a JNQ and q or something when I was younger, and I was d- doing V1 into the finish, um, and there's a bunch of like boys behind me, um, and I was like really young, had like the tuna suits on. Um, it was even before like the tuna fish suits that were all blue. Um, so yeah, I-, I definitely consider that my home course, and it's fun going back, um, having all the volunteers that know me since I was little, And giving Drew a big hug he's like one of the timers and I see him um, at the start all the time with his clipboard and he always just gives me a big smile and (laughs) he's like come on Cindy you gotta smile like this is fun you gotta race hard but also have fun so having all those volunteers that are out there and seeing them since I was a couple like probably 10 years old is amazing because I know they're just watching me race, and they'll always be there. And I see them commenting on my parents' Facebook, and it, it's touching like having people um, that have been watching and are still watching and know. And they're like, Oh, we'll see you in the Olympics one day. And it's kind of like, Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Cool.
0: Okay. Which is your favorite Toko glove model and why?
1: I love the thin ones. I can't, why are those the uh, profi ones? Perfect, yeah. yeah i use those all the time um mostly probably because we're roller skiing right now but i have probably four or five pairs of the white and red ones
0: mm-hmm.
1: probably because they're utah colors as well yeah but yeah that's like so. a sharp
0: looking glove too they pop like crazy
1: yes. one, one and they look cool on photos <laughs>
0: yeah for sure one thing that's interesting about the the Profies is the mesh there's an elastic mm-hmm. mesh between the fingers which gives the the entire glove, a different feel. Um, you know what I'm talking about? They feel different yeah. from all the rest of the gloves. It's much more of a, a race feel, I would say, to those gloves.
1: Sorry. Yeah. I I like all the gloves though. I haven't really used any of the warmer ones yet. Um, we did a little bit last year, but I think I used those um and then i use the mittens a little bit in west yellowstone
0: so you're you're in for a treat i gave you some of the polar races
1: yes i that guarantee is.
0: that's going to be you're going to be you're going to be going down the hill on a cold day and you're going to go hey thanks ian yeah <laughs> that that's i used it a lot last year when it was cold i just love that glove it's that's a breakthrough glove it's the best glove i've ever designed put it that way ever mm-hmm. Okay. What is something about you that might surprise people if they find out, if they were to find out?
1: Um, I think the most surprising thing is I am vegan and I've been for 11 years. Hmm. Um, my parents grew, uh, raised us as vegetarian. And then my brother and I, or my brother decided to try out being vegan since one of his bike coaches was and, um, and so then my whole family went, um, and at first I didn't exactly want to change, but, um, I love it and I don't think I'll ever go back. And I've had a lot of people ask questions why, and if I get enough protein or how I'm fast. (laughs) Um, but it kind of shows that you can be a vegan athlete, um, and be pretty strong and racing big races and get enough nutrients. And I think, that's how I am a good cook because I know I have to know what goes into my body. Um, so, yeah, I think that's probably the most surprising thing.
0: Yeah, that's impressive. I didn't know that. What You've got some non-ski hobbies that were kind of interesting. You want to make those?
1: I can't remember what I uh, put for my hobbies. Um, but a lot of the hobbies that I like is cooking um, and painting. I do a lot of painting. Yeah when but with my time off, um, I do a lot of acrylic painting. So I do a lot of like landscapes, but also like portraits of people. So I have a bunch in my room that are just like on my wall.
0: I'm a horrible painter, but
1: I'm not
0: talent <laughs> at all, but that's one thing I love to do. I also paint with acrylic and I'll paint whatever, but it's generally all landscapes. Mm-hmm. I would paint other things, but I can't paint to save my life. So landscapes. I can do like abstract landscapes and it kind of is cool.
1: That's cool. Yeah, I think it's super fun. It's relaxing. Um, It gets me off my phone because teenagers Mm. these days are constantly on their phones (laughs) Mm. Um, and social media. So I think it's really fun. I love just doing some intricate design with all of my, when I graduated high school, all my thank you cards, I hand painted myself Um, and then I, Rick Paula loves wolves. Um, like he always said, the wolf pack for the team with Intermountain and with SVSCF. And he used to howl before races, um, to make things fun and exciting. And so I painted him this intricate wolf, um, and then I framed it. So kind of a fun thing to do, but yeah, I also love cooking and baking whenever I get the time I like doing Cool recipes that I have never done before but don't have a lot of time these days with school.
0: So like I said, I like painting and that's cool. I like everything you said that just what you said about the wolf and doing that for Rick didn't resonate with me because I couldn't do that. I'm not good enough Somebody saw a bunch of my paintings and it was yeah. a friend, well-meaning friend and she was like man, that's really great you're you're good at that. you know what you should do? <laughs> I hate those words you should paint Machu Picchu. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I guess I could, you know, yeah, sure. You know. And I, I painted for 14 hours straight. Wow. And because I didn't have much faith in myself, I was painting four different canvases at mm-hmm. the same time, thinking, well, okay, this I'm gonna screw one up. So I'm gonna go, you know, and after 14 hours, I wanted to throw them all out. <laughs> I was so I was I hated it. Wow. <laughs> but I, I kind of find like I need to um stay within my very self-imposed limits of, because of my talent, you know, I know I can do certain things okay, but if I go outside of those limits, I stink. And it's so in front of my face, I hate it. So I could never paint a wolf for Rick, you know, but that's cool.
1: Sometimes it's easier. You can start with like tracing um, and have tracing paper and then just do like small details, but have like the outline of a wolf or something that makes it a little easier. at our US ski team camp uh, this fall, we did a Bob Ross night. Um, and so I brought all my painting supplies, which people were surprised about, but I was like, kind of want some nice paints if I have it at home, so. That's
0: awesome. Was, yeah. Thanks for the tip. I've never taken an art class. So if nothing else, I got that going for me. But I was thinking someday after I retire, which hopefully is not for a very long time, I don't think I want to ever retire, but if I were to have to retire, I'm sure I'll start painting again and I'll probably take a, a course. So, have do you have a mantra or philosophy that can be summed up in a few words?
1: Um, I have a lot um cool. but oh, I try to think of one that that I use all the time. I guess one that I just tell myself all the time when I'm trying to push through a race um, is like, you, you got it. You're enough. You're strong. So I think just having these small little words, like it's not like super meaningful, but just telling yourself that you can do it um, or you are strong in trying to tell yourself that you're enough. You like to focus on your training. Like you have worked so hard this past like whole year. So just trust your training Um, I try to tell people that just trust your training. And sometimes I don't always listen to myself doing that, but um, I always think just tell people to trust their training and they know what they're doing and their coaches know what they're doing. So, um, yeah.
0: So, so that's a really interesting thing for me to hear Mm -hmm. because you seem, you have every right to be one of the most confident athletes on the earth, as far as I'm concerned. You know, you've been successful from a very young age and you've continued to exceed, I would say, anyone's expectations. You know, you've been remarkably successful. So I would think that you wouldn't respond well to self-affirmations because you should be, I I was thinking from the outside, you show up at a race, you're like, I'm going to rip these girls' legs off, you know, like I'm just going to crush them. But but you're not necessarily, you seem to be very humble and have a little bit of self-doubt and and need to kind of self affirm a bit to to kind of rally the troops inside, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, that's, I think a lot of people always think everyone has it together because they're racing fast, but that's not always the truth. And sometimes you kind of need that like in your head that you can do it, um, you can push through the pain, you can push it up the hill, like you can push it up this hill for one minute and have like a little bit of rest. Um, there's always times that are gonna be hard um, and so just having these affirmations that you can go on, um, I, at least for me, it really helps. Like I'm taking a yoga class. Cause I have to get these, um, like requirements for my major. Um, and it's just taking a second to breathe and have these affirmations that you're enough, you're strong, you're bold. Like it, for me, it helps, um, just cause they're just small words, but they kind of mean something just to like, look upon your life um, and be like, I am strong. Like I got it. Like I'm juggling doing school and skiing and going to world cups and racing college. And yeah.
0: My, my response to that is a little bit, I'm a little surprised by it, but it's super endearing. Mm -hmm.
1: Um,
0: It's endearing. It's like, it shows you're you're not only humble, but you're a human. I know that's a stupid thing to say, but you know, you've always appeared to be kind of a, a, this incredibly strong machine, strong body, strong mind. Let's go out there and smash everybody. And that's really endearing um, and appealing to hear that, that you struggle with confidence issues like anybody else. And that you're like, you know, you know, kind of motivating yourself and encouraging yourself and that's, that's really, uh, to me anyway, it's, it's really cool that you, that you do that and you've got it in you and that you're that humble, you know?
1: <laughs> Thank you. Cool. Yeah. Right. I think it's like the more the before and after that I have to remind myself, um, when I'm on the race course, I'm just like, let's go. Like you, right. Rick, you say, just letting the dog out of the cage exactly. kind of just go. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of my mindset, just go, um, cool. and just like pushing. So.
0: <laughs> cool. Awesome. <laughs>
1: yeah. I've really
0: enjoyed this. Um, you're part of this younger generation that, that, that I was locked out by with the NCAA rules the way they were. And although we've, I've seen you for years and admired you and I've said hello all the time, I don't feel like I've ever really gotten to know you. And this has been really rewarding and enjoyable for me to be able to, to get to know you much better through this conversation.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been fun talking with you.
0: Absolutely. So you're about to head over to Europe for the first World Cup period. The first World Cup period is generally the most competitive and can be very intimidating. Are you going into this with any type of special focus? What I mean is like having fun, focusing on learning, not results, focusing on the process, focusing on achieving uh, a particular feeling in the races, that kind of a thing. And also, is there a specific race that you're targeting this fall?
1: Um, Yeah, so I have sprint starts uh, for period one. Um, which are not as much as my strong suit, but I am really excited to do those. And I think it's just kind of, yeah, like I said before, trusting the process. And I'm just super excited to be over there and having fun. And I'm excited to see the World Cup. Um, I've never really watched like in person. Uh, so being able to to see it in person, see like the atmosphere, but also being there and racing myself is gonna be really cool. Um, so just giving it all everything I've got, um, and showing the world and everyone here that I'm racing world cup as like a young age, um, but also kicking butt. So, uh, yeah, I think just having fun and racing my first world cup and just enjoying the process of being over there and being there with the U S ski team and being on the B team, um, and being with all the coaches and. Having my family here uh, watching the races um, is going to be a cool thing.
0: Yeah. So, um, are you on the waiting list or backup list, you know, plan B list for distance races? Someone gets something like that?
1: Yes, I am the first alternate to distance races. Um, So, hopefully, maybe I'll get a distance race or not. Um, But I'm just excited to be over there, have sprint starts. the classic sprint is going to be what I'm looking forward to the most, but cool. I think just sprinting in general is fun. Uh, yeah. Hopefully work really hard, try to make it to the heats. Hopefully do that and race with some really fast girls
0: <laughs> <That's for laughs>
1: that sure. are a couple years older than me. So, yeah.
0: Okay. Well, it's been a treat for me to get to know you better through this interview. Like I said, I wish you the best of luck this fall and I will look forward to catching up with you sometime during the first world cup period. Thanks again for doing this.
1: Thank you so much.